This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know. What is poppin' everybody, and welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Well, you know, I'm here with my only friends. I don't have my tortilla shaker. Oh, sorry, no. tortilla. I'm sorry. I, I, somebody, let him do it. Yes, we you got him. What? You know what? You know what? <laughs> I'm going to accept the we bit got him. if he starts with only pause friends and then segues it to Brian. I'll accept it. Yeah. I'll accept anything that doesn't allow him to keep screaming tortilla in the mic. Can I have my thing? <laughs> Thank you, sir. That was, was a great a throw. It was a great catch. Mm -hmm. a very, very nice exchange by the two young gentlemen. Yep. Uh, what's Yo. up, everybody? We have a action-packed show today. Mm -hmm. We're going to be joined by Kale Cleeton in about 30 minutes to discuss the current state of poker technology and how these tools can potentially be utilized in real time to compromise uh, the game integrity, specifically in online. This has been an ongoing debate we've been having for multiple people. <laughs> what? The fuck? All right, we talk about the way that it eats pot, uh, pancakes on uh, the pot. How about the fact that, uh, I mean, eating them is an absolute compliment to what I just witnessed. No, it's bare <laughs> hand. He takes it, he rips the bitch apart, and then he does it again, <laughs> and then he fucking stuffs his face with a quarter of it. He looks, puts the rest down, and then eats it piece by piece. He looks like a grizzly bear. <laughs> Fishing for salmon. He went. He went Yo, to the. Wait, hold he on, went let to me the cook. Phil let me cook. Uh, school let of me eating. Cook. Fucking grizzly bears know what the fuck they're doing. Salmon is so busting, bro. Is, for real, for real. Listen, man. listen. The camera didn't see it, and you didn't have to point it out. I could not. Shame on you, sir. I let him slide the other yeah. day. When the last time I saw this shit, I was just looked up, and it was just like. Whoosh, whoosh. I just, I just <laughs> could not. It's like, bro. What percentage of people in the world? Eat pancakes with their hands. <laughs> First of all, there's You've nothing on those pancakes. <laughs> all right, listen. I, I will defend. Uh, I will defend his method. Uh, thank I, you. I used to be a sugar-free syrup kind of guy and thought that that was like adequate. It's not. It's so good. Yeah, but like it's, if it you enhances. I just had one downstairs with the syrup. It's way better. No, I can't have if a you, plain. If you have if you have pancakes as a conduit for butter instead of a conduit for syrup. You're doing it right. Okay, yeah. Well, if, you, if you just smother it with butter, yes, yes that, yeah. that is completely there fine, There is too. no way he smothered no, he his pancakes. No, he eats them dry. He eats them dry. He eats them dry. He's a sick They're individual. They're still really good. Right. Dry. I, I will admit, they are very good, but they are better with, you know, Look, that's right. fine. butter. If anybody out there wants to try some of the pancakes that I cook... Let them cook. We'll have a conversation, but <laughs> most of the time, just trust me... They're good. Listen, they guys. Good. They are good. Ryan can confirm. Guapo, confirm, deny. Pancakes are good. Confirm. Yeah. Thank you. All right. While, while we're getting all of the landing criticisms out of the way, yeah. uh, let, let's just let's, let's end it on this note. You, you know, what else do you have? <laughs> what else do you You know this show goes out to tens of thousands of people every day, right? Huh? <laughs> Fuck, he caught me. <laughs> Guapo got him. You're, you're a strapping young man. I understand. You know, you're in your new bod. You want to kind of show it off a little bit. But this look, this ain't it. Look, man, I was rushing today. Today. Uh, today? Yeah. Is there ever a day where you're... Yes, not... man. Sometimes I wear pants. Sometimes is the key operator there. You wore pants on Friday. Whatever, happens to, the, whatever happened to the blanket? 
Where's his blankie? Mm, I don't yeah, know. For the, sake, for the sake of lighting, I'm gonna go to Goodwill today and just find like an extra pair of clothes that he can just jump into. <laughs> okay. I literally think we should just get him like an orange jumpsuit that he has to wear every time he brings shorts to the office. I kind of like that idea. Bro. Or like a gorilla costume. Like we just yeah. get like a closet full of costumes that Landon can choose from every time he shows up in shorts. He can borrow some of Hank's fucking kids' costumes that he has. <laughs> Put him in the banana. This, uh, this reminds me when I was younger and I played manhunt with my friends just around the neighborhood. And one kid one time brought a ghillie suit, like a legit ghillie suit. What's a ghillie suit? That's uh, what you go hunting in. The you hunt thing and kind of like camouflages in the kind of like grass and like you can if you lay on the grass, no one's gonna be able to see Special you. Special ops, bro. Kind of Special thing. ops. Yeah. So. Uh, Griffin ends up finding him hiding somewhere and he kind of tells like the team he's like guys I think I just found Sasquatch he <laughs> 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 didn't know that bro brought a ghillie suit with him sure. and he, he <laughs> but it was I mean that that's a little next level for for hide and go seek yeah but like we took it very seriously I get it there is a hiding spot that Dalton and a friend have still yet to tell us to this day where they were, and we have moved from this place. Mm. You have a friend named Dalton? No, my brother's Brother. name is Dalton. Oh, wow. <laughs> the more Whatever you know. insult you're about to sling. It was an insult. I was just saying, I haven't heard that name since Roadhouse. Better holster that one. Roadhouse. Yeah, what you got? I'll come over uh, there right now. <laughs> uh, big day for the tortoise. I heard, you, uh, I heard you jumped on the RTA train and just I went did, on a ship yeah, to so tournaments weird. yesterday. I, I, you know, I, I, downloaded, I downloaded Odin and I just started using it while I was playing and I won two tournaments. <laughs> that is not true. Catch I won them on my catch own. Catch him if you can. Only myself. I did it. That's right. We got only, uh, only himself. We that that was really a tortoise tournament. That was the twenty dollar uh, knockout. We won that one for four, just like four seventy, and then the thirty dollar rebuy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, look at that. Let's that go. <laughs> Let's fucking go, man. Where did you find these That's things? incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, that was me. That was me at the table just spitting hot fire. Wow. Two tournaments one day. One day, yeah. Can you make, that, boss, can you make that your Twitter avatar? One of those oh, tortoise picks? I might have to. Just for the day. Uh, I, for forever? Day. What do you forever. mean? Like, yeah. That, that one in the, in the full armor was... That was that was nice. Him, yeah, I was there there this the, one's pretty artistic. Yeah, wow. he's fucking cooking, bro. Yeah, look, let him cook. <laughs> he's fucking cooking. He actually is. The shell is actually cooking off of his body right now. That's, How do you think turtles would taste barbecued? Um, like turtle soup? I don't know. I feel like they're probably a little tough. Yeah. Well, you know. That's why they're stewy. I bet. You know, you make a stew out of them. You know, they they um they make barbecued like alligator. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. can't be too far off. Alligators are, yeah, that's true. Probably more meat. Though. Turtles are friends, yeah. not food. Exactly. That is true. That is yep. true. We, we, I'm we turtle adjacent, which is the tortoise. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Oh, man. Yeah, it was great. Congrats, um, Brian. Yeah. I don't, you know, sometimes you, 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 you win all your all ins. Yeah, sure. When you win all your all ins, you, you tend to win tournaments. That's the strat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The strat is, uh, the strat is, is win all your all ins. Um, they don't bluff as much as you think they bluff, and uh, three bet more. Really, what you're saying is you watched Brokus's new course. Uh, I was literally gonna. Damn it! You took. I, I was gonna say it was just maybe it's a coincidence that I watched Brokus's new course <laughs> the day before, and mm. then I just rip off two tournaments. Maybe. I mean, maybe, maybe. or maybe you guys should just head to solveyy.io and mm. go ahead and get that membership. Right, two week free trial. You can watch it yourself and win a couple of tournaments the next day. Yeah, ship yeah. it. What was the what was the buy-in for the one that you want for two K? Uh, it was a thirty dollar rebuy. Oh man, so, big spender. Uh, that um, 
I always max late reg that one. Sharp. Yeah. yeah. Max late reg, I just buy in and then I add on. I don't double rebuy. Okay. And you get like 12,000 chips and the blinds are 280. Oh, seems 30. great. He's it's a great. wise tortoise. Yes. Wise beyond mm -hmm. his years. Yeah, I got second in that one before. I made a final table a couple of times. I never won it, so I was like, Wow. <laughs> we got it. We got yeah, it. The WSOP structures mm -hmm. are highly incentivized for you to try to win them. Yeah. They're very, very top the, heavy. The, the very last hand, uh, I get um, Queens. It's a good hand. Yeah, and small blind on the button. Uh, he has like 12 blinds, limp. Spicy. Yeah. Uh, he checks back. It comes Queen 8 8. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> he checks. I check. Turn 9. He bets half pot. I just call River. <laughs> Thank another, God. <laughs> River another eight. Uh, he checks and he has like two pots back and I just shove. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah, I shove and he, he snapped so fucking quick that I thought that he had an eight, but he just had a nine. Yeah. And I won. You got him. You got his ass. How many bluffs got does him. Brian have there? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> I might have but that doesn't matter how many bluffs I have. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's like none the of that matters. All that matters is will he call or will he not call. Yeah, I and mean, it's kind of like terrifying when he you have either just teams. calls with a nine or he just folds. He's not folding a nine. There, he's got fucking he's got a nine. eight blinds. He's gonna just leave himself. He's gonna fold a full house with eight blinds. No, no. This is Brian on tournaments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not even tournaments. Tournaments. How many times do you guys won two tournaments in a day? Oh man, uh, not shit. very often. I probably back in the, the full tilt days when you were playing a bunch of them. No, maybe not because they were harder to win back then because there's, I don't know if I ever won that. That might, that might have never won that. I think I've done it yeah. one time. Yeah. Never three. Or no, I've done it multiple times. Never three though. I've I feel some, like I've yeah. done it before, but it's probably been a while. I've had some sick days, but I don't think I've won two tournaments in a day. Yeah. Like I've had like a first and like a third. Yeah, right. And right. like a big, yes. like a 630 or some mm -hmm. shit, but nothing like double like first. At final tables, Two, two final tables at the same time, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's hard, yeah. To, hard to win them. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my two were every time was under 3K. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Very small tournaments. Mm -hmm. Tortoisements. Tournaments. Yeah, tournaments. <laughs> See, this is a bit I will never get tired of. <laughs> All the many ways that we can talk about Lamanna being a tortoise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, the tortoise bit's a good one. That's yeah, an until, it, until it shifts in Tortua. Yeah, you, you can't know, do I it. Just, uh... Listen, nobody cares what you Honestly, if he just pronounced the G, I wouldn't even be upset by the bit. Well, the problem is you think it's Tortuga, and it's not. It's Tortuga. But it's not. I, yeah, had, I had to explain this to somebody on Twitter this morning. Yeah, you did. He's like, you got to put the G in there. You're like, nah. <laughs> I think the, the challenge is that uh, usually your bits are such a hit that you expect everybody to rally around them. So, like, you know, <laughs> when you keep them going, you in your mind's eye are like, the audience is eating this shit up. No, and you're right. Just, and you're right. And Tortua is just the best bit right. we you're, have. You're right. But with the Tortua... What you don't understand is how we react is how everybody reacts. They're all eye rolling <laughs> and closing their ears. Well, they're gonna have to eye roll and close their ears right this for this one because Tortuga is here to stay. Right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I do like tortoise better than tortuga. Yeah. For what it's worth, but, you're, but, you know, you're an English speaking man. But tortuga come out like it is. I like that he has like his own little like uh, you know little nickname little um um. Adjacent? Yeah, yeah. Like his, you know, he has a nickname for the nickname. Nah, bro. Just, just ain't it. I'm yeah. just gonna. Read but the I don't want the thing is I don't want other people saying Tortuga. I only want Conrad saying Tortuga because 
he's the one that came up with it. That's true. Would that be great if you guys could just take that <laughs> private and, <laughs> you know, No, only, baby, we're going public. We're public. Yeah. We're only, IPO we're, drops, only IPO drops next bit. week, bro. What is this? Publicly <laughs> traded company. Poor Tua coin? Why do we exist? We're going to get rich off a tour, too. That's why. That's right. Put it on, <laughs> mm-hmm. on coin market cap, you know? Yep. Pump mm-hmm. that shit. Pump and dump. It is alt yeah. season, baby. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> <laughs> It's always all season it's always if you believe. Season, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. I, I want to get a little bit of the framing out of the way before we bring KL on. So this conversation first started, well, I mean, if you want to go all the way back to the roots of when we first started bringing it up, it was when Fedor Cruz um, was kind of being outed by his roommates for utilizing sort of a dream machine, dream machine type setup uh, in order to RTA. And I don't know if you guys recall, but... Um, when he was finally banned by all major sites and, uh, you know, kind of called into question his integrity and whatnot, he kind of took a shoulder shrug approach of everybody's doing this, man. Like, this is more widespread than you guys have any idea of. It was kind of the Jose Canseco approach of, uh, you know, like, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. The whole league is on roids. Uh, you guys are just turning a blind eye to it. Kind yeah, of for reference, he was actually a Twitch streamer at the time too yep. and had two computers and would stream while also dream machining. So he yep. would actually dream machine stream Bold. where Bold strategy he cotton. would look like no one would think he's actually cheating because mm-hmm. he's using just, he's looking like he's not. Right. But then when his roommate kind of said, yo, like he's got two computers and posted proof of it. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we got, we got him. Um, so yeah, that kind of led to him saying like, look, there's Russian bots out there that are doing this at scale. They're just mashing $5 sit and goes for like, you know, infinite win rate. Um, you guys need to clean up your streets. If, if you want this to actually go away, I'm not the problem. I'm just uh, kind of an indication that there is a problem. And for a time, it was on the forefront of like most sites minds. GG responded. They banned 40 sites. Uh, we saw, you know, kind of 40 accounts, you mean? 40, or 40 accounts. accounts yeah. <laughs> uh, we, let, let them slide. we saw like sweeping change taking place, at least in the, the public eye. But what we've always known about the security of online specifically is that nobody's really willing to be on the record when it comes to the accounts that are banned, the policing that's taking place or the security measures that are uh, in place. And that's always been under the guise of we don't want the um we don't want the perpetrators to get ahead of our tech like we don't want them to know what to study in order to beat us and i can respect that that notion but i think it's starting to fall a little bit short and we're seeing the same conversation happen here now so we are now fast forwarding two years uh since then we've seen jake and ali uh get called out for being like two of the most egregious actors when it comes to uh rtaing and doing so for you know, large sums of money. They've been banned not only from online sites, but from live sites. We also saw a weird precedent set with GG where they extended an olive branch to uh, everybody that they had ever banned in the past. They basically said, reapply for your account and we'll consider it. And the vast majority of people who reapplied, well, actually I shouldn't say that confidently because I don't know uh, who was turned away and who was not, but I know a lot of the people that were, you know, accused of, um, accused of rta accused of soft rta like whatever the case may be a lot of them were reinstated uh in, including like Bryn and his whole uh stable of of people that were beneath him they all were basically reinstated i don't know the premise behind that i don't know like they know what they were guilty of 
uh we don't we can only really speculate so you know whether or not that was for the betterment of the uh the community or just the betterment of those working relationships we'll never really get to the bottom of it unless something <clears throat> happens again yeah what are your thoughts just in general when it comes to the ideas of some sites say that preflop charts are allowed others say that preflop charts aren't but it definitely can't be policed in a way that people that do use them all get caught well it could really uh well it could to the same degree as rta it would it would require them having a cold machine if they wanted to do it without getting caught so all of these sites have the security measures in place to monitor what's what's going on on the screen right i'm talking from the sense of let's say someone has their computer someone has a second device yeah to if you want to have a cold machine yeah that, right and, but that's going to be true of all rta whether you're talking about preflop or beyond right so, so the same thing would be just, true if you're using you know your own just dream machine is it just optics then to have the rules that if you like do you use charts it's i think it's a good question uh and it's probably the leading question for today's conversation as far as what's the best practice moving forward in these situations uh, so fast forward to what we're talking about now. This conversation originally got brought up a couple weeks ago because there was a kid at Bellagio 510 who was just openly using GTO Wizard mid-hand. Um, and, you know, of course, as live players, we just think that's beyond ridiculous, especially where uh, time banks are effectively infinite or at least unrestricted. Um, and we brought it to the attention of, like, the poker boss who was very quick to, uh, you know, put the messaging out to, to the people at MGM uh properties and say like look this is not okay police it uh you know don't stand for it punish it however you see fit whatever um moving forward then uh, whether it was happenstance or uh it was it was premeditated uh odin then put out an email blast running a site-wide sale saying like uh you know we are now going to put ourselves on the same standard as everybody else in the industry and we're going to remove our 20 second delay so the user experience will just greatly be in improved and i think the initial response to that was a lot of backlash directed solely at odin and uh i was very much guilty of that as well because one i wasn't aware that uh the delays were not in existence for the other lookup technology and two uh it was coupled with a sale so it was like clearly seeming to leverage uh or advertise that the delay had been removed and that, you know, it was just a free for all in today's landscape. Yeah. Th there was the, the mark, the marketing uh, email blast bit of the, Oh, Hey, it's a sale and there's no delay. Yeah. Like, look, if you do something that's optically bad, which this is optically horrible right. for your business, you're going to get blasted. You can't, you can't get upset that you fucked up and ran a marketing scheme that is optically horrid. When people are just like, yo, what the fuck? You're selling RTA, right? Yeah. Uh, however, after, you know, getting neck deep into the conversation thereafter and, you know, reaching out to the heads of GTO Wizard, the heads of Ruse, the heads of, um, you know, I spoke to Rory privately. I spoke to Galfon privately uh, regarding Vision and Run at Once. Um, so basically all of the products that are out on the market, including KL, who owns uh, Range Trainer Pro, who we'll be talking to shortly, uh, I reached out to all of them and they all had very similar sentiments in the sense of stating that RTA was a clear threat to the industry. They were all very interested in working with operators to help police it. They're all 
uh, executing some sort of anti-RTA mechanism within their uh, software, but none of them, much like the operators, want to be public with what their method is. And again, I like kind. I, I understand why you don't ever want people to get ahead of your security, but. I also understand that now that the conversation is brought to the forefront, it's much more important to be transparent. And additionally, the only thing that Odin was utilizing as uh, an anti-RTA agent was the delay, which is now gone. Yeah, so there's like therein lies the issue in itself from like the way I see it from the optic perspective when sites and for what it's worth, <clears throat> not someone that uses wizard for anything that I've done before and didn't have any sort of knowledge that there was no delay on wizard but if you have the sentiments as a business saying that you're trying to have these anti-rta type of systems in place yet you're selling software with zero delay those two sentiments do not align correct inherently well correct but i i, I mean that's the conversation that's the greater conversation that i want to have is where does the responsibility lie on the operators versus the tech devs? Uh, and we'll get into that. We'll get into that, or I'll, I'll, I'll frame that as we bring KL in. But I, I guess the last points I want to make are that though, uh, as communicated to me, you know, speaking privately with all of these operators and owners, though the, the majority of all of the other sites do have some sort of anti-RTA detection in place, whether it's uh, some combination of a triggered delay based off of uh multiple spots being looked up in a short period of time or it is uh you know some sort of like lookup uh authenticator as as well as like you know timestamp versus board texture like are, do these overlap is there potential for this type of stuff there's a lot of like i guess hidden rta detection in place and whether or not odin has any of that being executed to my knowledge they don't doesn't really matter my whole point isn't that this is odin's fault Right, it was just a poor marketing. It was optically poor from a marketing standpoint, and that is what it is. Like, whatever. If anything, like to some degree, we we should thank Rory for starting this conversation because I was very much not in the know. Yeah, I'm when on it the, comes I'm to on the, the other side tools. of net positive. Right. So I think like net positive here, whenever it comes to breaching the conversation, and he's probably been overly dragged a little bit because of a poor marketing campaign, is what it is. Um, there are a lot of other reasons why. I don't personally think Rory should be the uh, the the head of all things ethical, but that's neither here nor there. Not a conversation that I want to have now. the The framing that I want to have with regards to KL and bringing him on is where does the responsibility lie here? And I think that it's a very important one and one that branches out way beyond poker because as we uh, th th these are conversations that people much smarter than us are having worldwide as we delve into the AI uh, marketplace, so to speak, right? Where do the ethics and responsibility to police lie in specifically unregulated markets like ours? And the fact of the matter is, the reason why I think that this is so critical is because uh, these tools that are being utilized now as study, study tools have been around for a decade. Right, the original Dream Machine uh, may have. 
I imagine originated as a solver similar to like Pio. May or may not have existed. No, it 100% existed. What are you talking about? May or may not have been utilized in real time. Oh, I don't know if they used <laughs> RTA or not. I don't care. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like whatever. I'm not <laughs> speculating on that. What I'm speculating on or or what I'm what I'm saying is that it evolved the same way we're seeing the training space evolve. So the original Dream Machine that, you know, Ike and those guys had developed was probably around before PO or maybe around the same time as PO, but wasn't public like PO was, right? I'm sure that that eventually graduated into a database lookup system because it's the next logical evolution. And that happened long before GTO Wizard or Odin hit the market, right? right. It's just a matter of how public it is because for all intents and purposes, if you created scripts and had enough terabyte space to run every board, every texture, every position, you could just have your own database through Pio, where you can click a tab, open up, and it can literally say like, open different board in this folder, and you can have it all. Right, and that very easily becomes RTA through also scripting, mm -hmm. right? So you can just very easily script that. You know, bots are more sophisticated now than they have ever been. I think like people misunderstand uh, in the past, bots and RTA were, were very far apart because the technology was so simplistic. Like botting was like simple scripting where, uh, you know, you, you would just, you would have very simple solves preloaded into the bots because it was good enough to win and you didn't actually have, now it's to the point where like with AI, we can just solve it in real time. Like products like Ruse, Prometheus, um, I'm trying to think if there are there any AI based solvers that are out there right now. But anyway, they're capable of I guess doing Wizard. No, yeah, Wizard is a database. It's a database lookup. A database lookup. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and there, there's a big difference though, because the accuracy of AI is going to be significantly greater than a pre-solved database lookup, oh, sure. right? Because they get dated. We learn more things as the AI keeps iterating. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I look at some hands through Ruse, there'll be some spots where if you give dynamic sizes, you'll see. Uh, bet sizes being chosen by solve that people just don't show up with yet. Right. Like some spots are just, you just go for 150% pot on flop. Or right. Just, you don't see it yet. But now because of AI lookup, you right. might. So what's, what's important for the framing of this conversation, in my opinion, is that what we see publicly is only a derivative of what exists privately. So I don't think, I, I thought Phil made a gr very good point where I don't think that all of this barking back and forth with one another of company owners is uh, moving, moving mountains the way we think it is. Because the fact of the matter is for every ruse Prometheus that exists on the market right now, there are 10 other AIs that are operating in the shadows, probably in real time, that are absolutely fleecing fleecing the pools, right? For every database lookup like Wizard and Odin, and the other ones that exist, there are hundreds, if not thousands of them amongst elite level poker players. Like I, I know guys who aren't even in poker anymore that had database lookups six years ago, five years ago, right? And you know, it was helpful to them. I don't think that they were using it in real time, but whether they were or weren't, there weren't any mechanisms in place to stop them because they were their own private sims that they had collected throughout the years and uh, you know, had easy lookup access to. And scripting really does, it really makes these things efficient, right? Like that's the, that's, that's one major layer that all of these softwares that are on the market need to be wary of is that uh, if they are able to be scripted into, then they're able to be turned into RTA, right? Because if you can just run a script that data scrapes your screen and on a cold machine runs it now through these open market uh, tools, you have RTA. It's really that easy. Right? Yeah. 
it's um, probably already happening now for sure certainly and, and don't get me wrong like they're clunky they're not they're not going to be uh nearly as as efficient as something that like you get built privately but they're going to get the job done for a greater win rate than anything a human could could uh do on their own i suppose yeah it's kind of tough spot you know yeah i guess like one last thing i want to clear up before we bring kl in uh and and have a deeper conversation is uh, there was something that was getting pulled out of context where uh, Rory was implying that I was saying that you or or uh, Jeremiah could somehow beat a bot heads up. And that wasn't at all what I said. I said that a lot of top tier players don't see this as an issue because if one or two players in their pool are botting, they can still have win rate, right? So the, the pool doesn't necessarily get so tough that they're suddenly losing. Right, like there might be some recreationals in the pool where top players in a six-max game can still have the highest win rate, but some of the win rate gets taken from the people that are using the lookups in right. real time. Right, everything publicly available right now doesn't really handle multi-wave all that well, if at all, uh, you know, et cetera. We can, we can go down the line. But the whole point that I'm trying to make is that uh, I was never implying that somehow these guys are open sitting heads up and looking to play against bots. Like, of course, <laughs> that's not the case. What is the case, though, is that uh, online is still very fruitful for a lot of people. And this is a look into the future as to how that can stop being true. Right. The best players can still win. It's just giving a potential living to people that will look for ways to have some small significant win rate over a long period of time without actually having skill and using nefarious action. Tough to win two tournaments up against a bunch of bots. Well, I don't know. People do it on ACR all the time. <laughs> well, there's, uh, not Rampage. I, yeah, it's, yeah well, Rampage. Like, it, it kind of brings up the other sort of conversation to be had when it comes to the whole multi-counting plus RTA use plus the card sharing. You know, like there's a lot of stuff that happens on... In, on, in online poker as a whole that's been happening for decades, right, since the start of it in that regard that definitely increases win rates by mm -hmm. a ton. But this is like all that on steroids. Right. Yeah. And so now if you have access to whole cards, you also have access to the RTAs in real time. You have the database lookups, you know, and it's never going to be like a public thing, mm -hmm. but there's definitely lots of ways that you can do very well for yourself through cheating you know so now it's like how do operators combat that where's the onus on the sites like the lookup sites themselves in order to police that stuff and a lot of the stuff is undetectable you know it's very hard to try to figure out from a site standpoint if people are hard sharing or multi-accounting how can you know all right, let's bring in KL because uh, I think that this is where the conversation will, will shift a little bit. Uh, we have very differing views on this. I'm very much of the mindset that this is not the software development team's uh, duty to police any longer. Uh, I think at one point, maybe it was, and uh, I'll, I'll give my vantage point first, but I'll, I'll let KL kind of speak to uh, what his viewpoint is um, so we can frame out both sides. So let's welcome KL. Hey. hey guys, hey, what's up? Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Happy to have oh, you, man. Yeah. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Range Trainer Pro, how this fits into the market of, um, you know, lookup databases, AI, whatever the case may be, and then what your thoughts are as far as the ethics around it. 
Yeah, so um, White Trap Road began uh, truly as a pre-flip uh, range solution, um, stemming back from 2017 and the, the d contest and everything around that kind of gave me the idea. As we launched, um, basically a bunch of people were like, hey, are you thinking about getting in the post flip? And oddly enough, we had been for a really long time. We've been working on it really quietly in the background, um, not saying anything we didn't want to like overpromise, underdeliver if we couldn't hit our timetables um, internally. Uh, that's something I think is really important to point out. We only had two people on our staff, uh, me and my business partner developer, as well as a couple of others that help out with promotion. So we move really slowly because of that. Um, but as we started rolling this out, one of the very first things that we had uh, as an internal discussion was recognizing that this should be used in a way that was unethical. And how do we you know, try to make that less of a thing from the beginning and, and, and you know, be kind of proactive in that uh, prevention. And what we came up with was essentially a time delay was the only way that we could figure out that was 100% um, unavoidable from a user standpoint. Uh, basically, you know, we could do sidetrack applications that check for, you know, hey, do you have a poker client open? If yes, you can't look. Um, but you can just open the software on another machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we talked about doing some sort of uh, altered time delay, um, similar to what I understand Ruse has implemented now. Um, but like I said, I don't want to speak uh, you know, uh, authoritatively on other people's products. I just know that from our perspective, uh, time delay was the way that we, we wanted to be proactive and with a ton of research where basically we would join like uh, uh, play money tables um, or, or jump on play money sites with friends, we would try to figure out how long do we need to set this to make it actually, you know, valuable and viable. And mm-hmm. what we found was 20 seconds for a flip and then five seconds for a turn and river, whenever you add in all of the user time for selecting the board and so on and so forth, made it to where theoretically you could RTA for about two hands, and then you're out of time deck completely, right. and right. you can no longer do so. And so what we've done is we've implemented that. When we launched, we were unaware of any other sites that were coming online, just like any other sites probably didn't know that we were coming online. Um, the first time I heard about Odin was actually uh, uh, the last year WSOP was at the Rio. I saw, they, I'm sure I remember like, seeing the big giant billboard outside Rio and being like, what the fuck is that? And then going inside and seeing that booth. And I just remember privately thinking like, oh man, other people have the idea. Maybe we're not IQ nine thousand. Maybe we're <laughs> only like IQ ninety. Um, <laughs> but uh, at that point, we started trying to figure out like feelers on 
what other people were doing and what what maybe we could do as a union. Ultimately, we ended up not hearing anything. Um, I think it was a product of us staying relatively unknown, um, other people having you know, a lot larger budgets for, for marketing and whatnot, which allowed it you know easier for you know people to kind of like see G2 with, which is another, you know, that they're, in my opinion, the largest, um, the largest guilty party of everyone, uh, because they've essentially, as far as I'm aware anyway, have never reached out to the community in any way, shape, or form to express any sort of interest in the longevity of the game. Um, and they haven't reached out in response to any of those overtures either. Um, obviously, I, I don't know much about them. Uh, I know enough to know who the guy that founded it was, and I can't even pronounce his name because I'm really bad at pronouncing names, and I don't want to offend him. Me too. Um, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> down bad, right? The, the <laughs> um, but from my perspective, it comes down to detection is absolutely vital. And the operators need to be working with us a lot more and and responding to our overtures. We've reached out to most of the major site operators and said, hey, we have this product. We don't want to be used for RTA. Can we work together on ways to you know, make our database available for your products that we can check on how accurate someone is. Um, you know, I'm very confident that we can automate the vast majority of this. Um, but at the same time, I'm also very interested, even more so interested, in controlling what I can control, and that is prevention. We can all control that as training operators. And so it's kind of like, yeah, it's great that we can cure cancer or, or treat cancer in a lot of respects, but I'd rather just not get fucking cancer by not smoking. Yeah. And I, I think that is something that we have in our power. It's, it's literally the, it's one line of code in many respects that says, Delay output by X seconds. And that's all it is. It, it takes zero effort on our part in order to be good actors. The only effort that it takes is a willingness to look beyond the bottom line and realize that in the long term, all we're doing is telling short the poker ecosystem. And so we're making a quick dollar in the short term, but killing online poker in the long term, because at the end of the day, live poker is fed by online poker, or at least it helps feed. And you know, it's it's cyclical, at least in my opinion it is. Yep. And so if online poker dies, I believe live poker also begins to go downhill because we no longer have nearly as many satellites, Winners that, you know, did into big events. We no longer have nearly as many recreationals that 
that has something in mind that, you know, I want to go to the casino for a weekend and say, you know, people just basically kind of start to get us again a lot more. And now all that liquidity in the market begins to evaporate. And well, I, I think to some I, degree, uh, the United States can be a, a use case against that argument to uh, a certain degree, not, not fully, but you know, since black Friday, uh, we've both recovered and grown I would say, uh, without much legal poker. And that's not to say that you're not correct, that there is some sort of uh, overlap between the two feeding one another. But I don't necessarily uh, wholeheartedly agree that like live poker dies without the existence of online. I do agree no, with I, you, I, though. I'm not proposing that it dies. Yeah. I'm not proposing that at all. What I'm proposing is that liquidity comes down. And at the end of the day, liquidity is the driver of games. And so... You know, instead of you having three, as you would call, gigamos, gigamos in your game, now maybe you only have one or two. Um, and you don't know, you think that that's rate, kind of counter though to what we see in the United States? the The legal markets actually have like some of the worst live poker outside of Nevada. So if you look at like New Jersey, Michigan, Pennsylvania, their live poker is like all but non-existent. But if you look at Florida, it, Texas, California, they're booming. I think it's, I don't know that it's an apt comparison right now because everything is different because of COVID, obviously. Mm -hmm. Everything yeah. is massively different. I mean, obviously, Upper East, um, a lot more lockdowns, a lot more um, closures and things like that. Texas and Florida. Um, California, I think, is kind of an outlier that California is always an outlier. It's a massive autonomy. It's a massive everything yeah, um, yeah, yeah and so i i don't know that you can just compare apples and apples yeah that's fair on that because there's a lot more factors i guess my larger point is this is something really really simple that we can do or we can at least attempt to do um and we don't all need to do it the same way like i'm not saying the way that Wayne share pro does it is the way that everybody needs to do it i mean from the way i understand what ruse does if they're in fact um, implementing some sort of like circumstantial time delay. That's an interesting idea. And I'm open to hearing more about that. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, what's important is that every company, uh, or at least as many as we can, we can condense to, to come on board, makes very clear and very public what are their RTA prevention methods, not just Oh, hey, operators, you need to do a better job of detecting it. That is certainly part of the equation, but it's not either or, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I think that's very well stated. Uh, and I can fill in a little bit of the gaps as I've spoken to uh, the heads of most of these companies. Uh, Rue shared with me uh, the actual methodology that they use to uh, execute their time delays. I'm obviously not privileged to, to share that, but I can say that it's like, hair sensitive as to like what will implement uh, a delay and uh it's a cascading one so it's it's one that you know once uh w once it's triggered it uh it, it's kind of there and it stacks yeah it, it'll stack on top of each other uh gto wizard has something very similar in place where uh you know they have uh, a few anti uh rta detections in place one to pre prevent people from uh running a bunch of spots simultaneously or, or, or in uh, sequential 
others will um, execute a uh, trigger time delay that was if you go through the threads of what we were discussing over the last few days you'll see uh, a couple examples of that where um i believe it was by using an external link it, it triggered like a 15 second delay or whatever uh ruse also has uh, an integrity lookup where you can check to see if the board had been um you know basically searched around the same time of the timestamp of the hand that you played so there mm -hmm. are there are uh methods in place um and i think that when we first got into this conversation i was heavily on your side kale of this should be us within the industry setting good examples uh you know leading the way and fighting the good fight to ensure that we limit any sort of bad actors or or security breaches as best we can but I'll say that uh, I've come very, very, very far away from that argument over the last few days uh, after, you know, having a lot of conversations with people and uh, a fair amount of introspection just over the history of poker. And I think that uh, these counterpoints are worthy of consideration, at least. So uh, I'll be curious of your opinions of these. Um, so first and foremost, I, I, I want to say that, like, in this industry, we've always led with the desire to be... Um, to to be high integrity right like that's a very valuable thing within this within this world your your word is uh one of your most powerful tools be it you know being able to lend or borrow or whatever the case may be all of these things are worth a lot like uh integrity is kind of the currency of poker but if you really look back throughout the history uh in most instances this is a zero-sum capitalism driven market and those with the highest integrity, though they have the respect of their peers and are held in high regard, very rarely are the wealthiest people in this industry. Uh, the people who are willing to skip out on the integrity and just chase every single cent of EV are the ones that are raking in the mass amount of money. And this includes operators. Uh, we've certainly taken the worst of it when it comes to operators. And we're seeing a derivative there of that now where the gray market has now turned into the black market of the app space. And, you know, when it comes to the security of these apps, be it PPP, Poker Bros, like whatever, the, the plethora of them that are popping up, nothing is policed. And I don't care what security measures they claim are in place, it's fucking nothing, right? Like there's no collusion policing, there's no multi-accounting policing, there's no RTA policing, nothing is guaranteed. Your money isn't even guaranteed. And this black market makes up such a large percentage of all online poker right now that we're not talking about a tiny little subsection of the market, like a 1% or 2% thing that may be a problem. We're talking about something that might have like 25, 30, 40% of the market share, uh, especially in the United States where it might actually be closer to like half and beyond. Yeah, right? I'm on your side on this one, Matt. We're like the call it perfect world nice uh uh rainbow happiness like operators do better sites do better people have these things in place people work together with the whole cohesion but then you sort of realize you're living in the real world where that's just not going to be happening and it's kind of in that regard up to the operators in order to try to police this because who's to say that there's not gonna be another company with the industry in that comes in if everyone does all the right things that will then say oh hey we have no delay here's your instant gratification you need and here's the market share that we can can pick up which is a lot of dollars especially yeah. when it's uh marketed correctly and distributed over the long-term sample of people that play online poker 
Yeah, and I think that uh, the other major point here is that this onus has been thrust upon us, the consumer, for decades, where we're the ones who are expected to self-police. So now that we, the consumer, are becoming we, the operator, or in this instance, the tech developers, uh, that onus is following us. And the expectation from the operator standpoint is you guys police this at a grassroots level. So my biggest pushback here, KL, is uh, not that it, not that you shouldn't consider ethics. I, 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 much like you, hold business ethics above all, right? Like there's, to me, there's no reason to be in business if, if all you care about is bottom line. Uh, and you know, I think we come from a different vantage point here. We're never going to be the richest guys in the community because we do this, but there's an opportunity to set precedents and to maybe move, uh, the market in certain directions. The issue is that even if you could get every single operator on board right now, and let's be clear, like GTO wizard drives this market. They're far and away the biggest player. Even if you could get GTO wizard on board, it doesn't prevent somebody tomorrow from launching a new product that says, fuck you, we'll do it fat. We'll do it better. We'll do it more efficiently. And you guys being ethical is going to be what costs you bottom line and allows us to win market share. Yeah. So I think that goes back to, uh, kind of the other half of that, which is, um, there's now somewhat significant. I, I don't want to get my, my head out over the seats here. There's that somewhat significant discussion uh, having amongst some of the op us operators, um, tool operators with basically forming as part of this compact, uh, a, 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 an RTA detection asset that we can essentially allow operators to use. I do want to put poker operators to use. I do want to point out that, like, everything that you've suggested as far as what operators should do, uh, ought to do, um, <laughs> are required to do, we've reached out and offered to do. Um, we've had meetings saying, you know, we, we are here, we know that we, you know, other sites like us exist, we want to be good actors, um, how can we work together to create some sort of automated system to basically check player hands versus uh, known databases. I think now where the real power in kind of a lot of us working together is being able to pull our databases, have more raw data to draw from in order to compare. And in that world, it would be very, very difficult for a new actor to come in and essentially uh, say, hey, um, cheat with us, you know, and by the way, we're cheaper or whatever it is because our kind of hive mind, if you will, would theoretically be able to out-detect them. It would be able to shut them down in a way um, if we can get poker operators to come on board and actually send us a message back saying, yeah, we'd love to have a meeting. Um, but what we've been faced with and dealt with are two major obstacles. Uh, a, licensing. Um, you have to have some sort of 
at banning license in whatever, you know, locality that operator is registered in in order to work with them many times. Even the gray market sites, um, you know, have some yep. sort of... And, yeah. and, and for what it's worth, you're not alone on that. Every single operator I've spoken to from Rory to GTO Wizard to Ruse to you, all of you have attempted the exact same thing, reaching out to these operators. Exactly. So using your suggestion, using what you're, what you're you know, kind of advocating for, which I completely agree with. I don't think we're particularly smart art. I just don't view it as an either or. If we've done yeah. everything we can assist them in doing their job and they're still not apparently super interested in at least making a public show of what they're doing doesn't it then seem reasonable that we should want to do what we are personally capable of doing i I, I realize it's not enough no no i I understand what you're saying Uh, it's it's the fact that it's not enough is why i push back because i think two things happen one if we dampen the problem by putting these delays in place, uh, not only will other competing products pop up that remove the delay, but the private sector, which is clearly going to mirror the public sector, if not advance it, uh, is still going to be operating undetected. So what happens is you take away the upward pressure from the consumer to the operator of having them police things further. And the second thing is in these black markets where this is absolutely not being addressed in any capacity, it's going to run even more rampant. So I know that it's very apocalyptic in nature, but sometimes, especially in like these uh, highly capitalistic markets, I think it's really important to let certain things run their course. Uh, I think the only way to move operators in the correct direction is to let them get spammed by RTA and then make them understand that this is a true issue that they absolutely have to fucking deal with. And they've been brushing it under the rug for years. All of the, a, a lot of even the, the top players are very quick to denounce that RTA is an issue. They'll be very fast to say like, look, online poker is still very beatable, which I agree with it is. And they'll say RTA is not happening at the scale that it is or that you think it is, which I disagree with. I think this is very similar. I made the analogy earlier that this is similar to the steroid era in baseball. It doesn't seem like it's a big deal because the only obvious uh, egregious actors are, are so easy to pluck out, right? But when you start to look a little bit closer, whenever someone sings and says like, hey, actually this is happening at wide scale, when you start to look closer, like all of a sudden Barry Bonds does look a little bit more like Jose Canseco than Ken Griffey, you know? And you go across the board and suddenly it's like, oh, maybe it is a widespread problem here. And we keep letting them brush it under the rug with these cursory uh, sort of acts of we banned 40 accounts and we're not going to name names or anything like that, but just know GG's in your corner and we're policing RTA only to be followed up with, we're going to offer an all branch and let everybody come back in in droves. You know, um, I, I think that, I think the issue that we really face here is that there's the public market and the private market and what is going public already exists privately at scale. And I think that until operators are backed into a corner where we're just like, you know what, our money's just not safe here. And to be fair, I'm, I'm, putting way too much trust in the consumer because the fact that the black market is growing at the rapid rate that it is means that consumers do not care at all about game integrity. And so now 
that backs your point a lot of if they don't know what's best for them, shouldn't we stand up and do what's best for the community as a whole? Yeah, and, and I think kind of a, an interesting comparison, which I, I, I'm hesitant to even bring it up because it is kind of a stretch, but just a little bit like, you know, kind of like the debate between market and do you say something publicly about egregious market or do you, well, the market will support it, but I think, you know, you and I have had similar conversations about this in the past, like, if the consumer doesn't know something is bad, when it is objectively bad, don't we have an ethical responsibility to say something about that? Um, you know, and and I mean, I I I saw on both sides of that argument. Sometimes I think you know it's whatever, and sometimes I think it is something we should definitely uh, you know call out. But it, it that is. You know, Elizabeth compared this to, to chess as like an analogy. And I understand that from a theoretical perspective on the ability to solve the games. You know, they're, they're kind of similar in that standpoint. The problem that I have is that chess is much easier to detect quickly. It's much easier to say after even just a few games that someone is almost definitely cheating. With RTA, if someone's doing it well, as I think most of us can agree, there are a lot more out there than we realize, um, and they just do it at a, at a high level. If someone's doing it well, it can take thousands or even you know over ten thousand and or more in order to have a statistically significant sample in order to accuse someone of cheating, and that's like the bare minimum, right? And so in that time frame, that user is now allowed to take significant amounts of money mm-hmm. out of the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And that is a massive negative impact on the ecosystem. And so I agree with you that operators need, we need to push operators. And I think we can do that both as consumers as well as, you know, training site operators. We can, you know, use this kind of moment to try to make change and increase movement in in terms of publicly showing what sites are doing to detect and prevent RTA. But yeah. at the same time, we can also do the same thing without them. We can also, as a contact, say, hey, these are the things that we do as an RTA prevention tool. And I just want to push that slightly on the it's impossible to detect because at the end of the day, the more data that is available, which, so if you include every lookup site that is available, GTO is, Range Channel 12, um, Odin, Hybrid, so on and so forth, if you're able to form basically a insane amount of solved data where everybody has kind of run their own solution and then you can train an algorithm to look at that kind of neural network, that neural mesh and then lay that over the top of hand histories 
fun sight. You've seen Nate, a powerful tool that is able to bring down that detection time. You know, maybe from that theoretical 10,000 hands down to, say, 5,000 hands to make uh, a reasonable assertion. And then obviously beyond that, it would get moved up to like an actual person. That would yeah, I, I mean, honestly, honestly, I, I think maybe it's it's even far less than that, uh, you know, based off of some statistics that like I saw Dom speaking about with regards to DTO, uh, you know, he was basically saying that in, in their numbers, uh, most high level pros aren't even operating above a 70% accuracy threshold. So it's like, you know, let, let's be clear. The 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 ability to execute a solution is available, right? Like when this happened in chess, uh, chess.com didn't just sit on its heels and say like, well, God bless. You're all going to be, you're all going to be IMs and, and grandmasters moving forward because, you know, the, the engine's just going to play each other and we're all going to live with it, right? No, they took, they took steps to execute ways of uh, forming games that, that were not able to be botted, whether that was policing the actual engines themselves, which obviously they executed uh, some, some quote-unquote RTA detection for, or it was uh, creating, like, finding ways to create new derivatives of games. Like, I, I'm not sure that... I, I don't know enough about Chess's history of, like, where uh, Blitz Chess and all these other derivatives came from, but I imagine that part of that was a byproduct of engines being com- becoming so proficient and so accurate that uh, they were looking for ways to implement the human element back into the game a little bit. And, you know, we, we've we seen that evolution a little bit on the sites. PKO is becoming highly popular, popularized, uh, is is a bit of this pushback. But, um, you know, let, let's let's call a spade a spade. Uh, whether these security measures are already, already in place for the operators or not, they're widely available. You know, these database lookup sites have been available for years. And certainly I would hope that the security of major billion dollar companies would have already had them before they went public for training, right? Same, tr- same should be true of these AI tools. Like we already see Prometheus and Ruse uh, hitting the public market. Like I can't fathom that poker stars, party poker, et cetera, et cetera, hasn't already been in development of these sim- or of similar products. And if they haven't, if they were waiting for it to go public, how are these, how are these sites just not being acquired? Yeah, don't get me wrong. I do not think that any sort of online site has any incentive to work with a lookup slash database site thing Mm -hmm. because it's effectively just trying to then use that as a flex where now you have the people working for one site saying, hey, we work directly with stars, right? Now stars works with you, tells you how they do the detection system. Now you have outsider information to the way that they go about banning and detecting things, which then can be used against them in a certain way when it comes to the acting standpoint of That's how sites keep are using these things first. private. Exactly. Right, yeah. So you have yeah. to keep it private and they're going to try to figure these things out on their own for themselves <laughs> where they're never going to look at a site and say, oh, hey, we're now working with them because the people that they work with will not say, oh, hey, we're with stars. You can trust us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's no, no incentive that, that, for that. That's an accurate observation. A hundred percent. That is the way that this in the conversations that we had, I guess I can't say who the exact operators were because we were under NDA. And that is how the deal, if it would have proceeded, would have continued. We wouldn't have been able to say, oh, hey, they're using us. Oh, hey, we're using them. It would have been a completely private 
behind the scenes deal. The only thing that we would have gotten out from a PR perspective um, would have been that we could have then you know, had the opportunity to, after a certain amount of non-compete time, uh, theoretically, if that ended up in the final deal, before we could go to other operators and shop the same idea. Um, so, at least from our perspective, that was never uh, in, you know, in kind of the, the dealings. And that was actually something that operators that, that did kind of at least had some sort of cursory interest, um, were, were, you know, kind of advocating for as well. There was never, um, any sort of like, oh, hey, now we're the preferred blah, blah, blah of poker stars or party poker. Um, and honestly, we wouldn't have wanted to do that because if I'm being perfectly honest, from a pure business sense, it doesn't make sense for us to pigeonhole ourselves like that because we want to work with every operator because guess what? If we're providing those services to every operator, that means more resources that we're needing to use, which means that that's more contracts that we get to to sign. Sure. But what we can say for certainty is that uh, all of these sites, to some degree or another, have refused, right? They've all turned down each and every one of you in the space. So whether they're doing things internally uh, on their own or it's just going unchecked, we don't necessarily know it's the public, but we do know that uh, for the for the most part anyway, at least within my my scope of knowledge, I don't, I don't know to what degree uh, other private entities exist that are potentially working with these sites or if the sites are developing things on their own. But we do know that like those talks have been squashed with you. Those talks were squashed with with others in the space. Um, I think, uh, and I'll propose this and, and you can kind of give me your thoughts. I think the the biggest issue here is that in order to properly police this from the consumer standpoint, like if we put the onus on us again as the ones who are in charge of ensuring that the environment stays clean, uh, the issue is that it's a big undertaking and there is no bottom line attached. So the incentives aren't necessarily all that great. But ultimately, in my opinion, the way that this problem gets solved is that someone like Ruse or another AI-based um, solver of sorts uh, creates some sort of software that can be run at any given time by any user anytime they're on a client and it doesn't matter what client and that software will then uh be in detection of you know people who are playing too perfectly or uh the the, the likelihood that they're up against bots or um you know rta of some sort and then we take that information and we uh, you know, we open source it. We, we make it available for everybody to see on the internet. Such and such screen name is under suspicion for, you know, this, this site. And let the sleuths do their thing. Here are the hand histories. Here are the timestamps. Uh, you know, this is the suspicion, right? You just put like red flags next to all of these things. You send it to site operators. You have them comb through the databases. Let them ultimately decide if there's it. It's the only way we can really force the upward pressure. The problem is, is like, You'd almost be a fool to make it, right? You just have to so, be somebody who's wealthy that wants to see the game cleaned up. That's ex what you just said is literally exactly what we've been proposing 
for mm-hmm. 18 months or two years, yeah. depending on how you want to calculate that. We've literally been proposing we're not just gonna make this database available to you. We're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna build the tool that compares the two and gives you a a, a level of certainty is what we, we kind of have named it internally. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. you know, we believe to you know X percent certainty that this person is utilizing RT in some manner. And then what we pitched was, you know, when a, an account, you know, hits a certain threshold, at that point, it's actually sent to a real person or in, you know, a perfect world, a panel of three or something who would then review the hands, reach out to the player, you know, perhaps, you know, indicate that they need to play for a certain amount of time on some sort of, you know, stream or something. And mm-hmm. if they're able to replicate the same level, of accuracy, um, and you can literally physically see that they're not utilizing RTA, then, okay, obviously they're just a god, and we should bow down to them. Um, <laughs> but obviously if they're not able to replicate that, you know, very high level of accuracy, then, you know, all right, you're using RTA. Like, that's right. the only explanation here. Right, or again. you're uh, budding or multi-accounting or whatever, suddenly breaking the rules and you get a suspension or a ban. That's literally what we've been trying to make happen. Right, um, but so the yeah. issue is the issue is that the incentive for you to make that happen is to get paid because it's an expensive process and you still have to privatize it. The best case scenario for the community at large for including... Or specifically, I should say, uh, the black market, all of the app games, the best version of this is open source, right? It's it's us as consumers able to just go to a security checkpoint on a website and look up our app game and check out the username, check out uh, suspicious activity, right? Like basically like a neighborhood watch type of tool where this now becomes all crowdsourced and the data is being funneled into one open sourced area where uh, you know effectively bad actors are being put on blast and then that data can be shared and disseminated amongst all of the uh, the actual operators. It's, it's not gonna happen though, right? Like Rory's in the chat saying he's been developing this with Prometheus uh, out of his own pocket, but not for charity to sell. And like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the issue. Right, like if nobody's buying, if there's no market to buy, and it seems very clear that the operators don't want to buy, they would rather just either develop in house or ignore it and sweep it under the rug. If there's no market to buy, how do we then move forward in policing? I guess my only pushback on that is that something is better than nothing. The something in this case being us working, you know, hopefully working together to implement some sort of like minimum standard. Um, obviously, you know, we can put forward ideas about perfect world um, situations. You know, I'm under no illusions. We don't live in that world. But if we can start somewhere, um, that's the first step to moving in the right direction. Um, because while you're accurate in saying that, you know, we need to, push operators more and they're simply not interested who's to say that simply by making a small step doesn't you know create this like oh 
hey, maybe there is a way that we can implement this in a way that is A, affordable, and B, actually good to the bottom line, because now we can promote this as a game security thing and get people to trust our site perhaps more than a black market site or an app or, or whatever it is. Um, and, and that's, and that, I guess I'm not, uh, my point is I'm not, not using that to think that like, this is going to solve the problem. It's not. I mean, it's not going to like be a unicorn that just, you know, hey, I can fly now. <laughs> like, that's just not how this works. Right. But if we can make some sort of small incremental positive change, that has to be better than no change whatsoever. I mean, it... it well, I agree it with you, just, but the, but the, the, the barrier still becomes the operators, right? So it's like, unfortunately, we don't get to be the ones to impart that change unless we're willing to do it at our own cost, right? If, if we don't... There's nothing that can force any of the major operators or more specifically, any of the major apps to say like, okay, RTA is really a problem. It's hurting our bottom line. Let, let me go out and license KL software. So how do, we ba- how do we cross that bridge? Like how do we actually impart change if the mechanisms that do exist to police are not being utilized? So I think it comes down to two things. First, like I said, the incremental thing that we can control personally. And second, as you point out, we actually don't know what operators are or are not doing. And I think that in lies we have fair ideas of though. this problem. But yeah, but do we though, really? I mean, we, we I, can make educated guesses. I, I can make can more make than edu- educated guesses. I, I've had some pretty in-depth conversations with people who are very high up in online security and it's, it, they're not doing nothing, of course, but, uh, okay. So you know. I guess, I guess my point of that is, is you know that the public doesn't. Sure. That's kind of my point. If if operators, which that is again something that we can also interpret because that, that doesn't require any sort of investment by them whatsoever. They can make clear what their policies are and what their actual tools are without giving us a goat on how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. They can they can word these things. Uh, again though, they're trust. they're never going to do that. So what do we do? in lieu of that because you know perfect example is regulated markets such as nevada new jersey pennsylvania etc poker stars uh wsop bet mgm major players in these markets not one of them will release their blacklist not one of them will divulge the people that they've banned or why not one of them will even go into cursory security details and those details have nothing to do with people uh you know, working the system, right? If you announce that you've blocked or, or that you've permanently banned 10 people for this reason, that reason, or another, that has no, inf- like that, that, that doesn't give anyone the upper hand on trying to breach your security moving forward, right? But they refuse to do this. And I don't know if it's a gaming issue or if it's just a, a company policy, but at the end of the day, we know we're never getting any of this information public. So, I guess, uh, I'm sorry to keep pushing back on this. I I just, I'm a little bit less of an optimist. So I want to try to be as as realistic as possible. And I think that the best approach here is actually not, uh, not trying to bend the will of the black market and gray market sites, because they're already, they're already operating on such 
gray areas to begin with that breaking right, the rules uh, or, or integrity is not necessarily at the forefront, right? Yeah, like successful bottom, people are going to be willing to break the rules. Right. <laughs> Bo- bottom line is going to matter a lot. I actually think that if ever there's an opportunity to, to get people on board and start policing this from an operator level, it has to be if we can petition Nevada Gaming somehow. If we could petition, uh, you know, Atlantic City Game or, or uh, sorry, New Jersey Gaming, right? Like these these shared liquidity pools that a major operator like GG is attempting to uh, uh, attempting to come into, right? Uh, GG just launched in Toronto. I believe they partnered with WSOP for that launch, and I know that they're trying to move their way into the states and get into the regulated markets. Like maybe if we can go beyond the operators altogether because that's what's lacking is oversight by a greater governing body right exactly that's literally that's exactly the point Mm -hmm. we don't have an oversight governing body um a really good example is here in illinois we're trying to like the 420th time to pass online uh regulated gaming uh you know we have thoughts that we don't have and we have sports betting, but we don't have poker and casinos, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually working on that in Illinois, trying to help make that happen. And your point is actually a really good idea, and something now that I'm going to start adding to uh, my language whenever I'm speaking to to people and lobbying for this is making this publicly available. My only, I, th- I guess, my my biggest response to if Others aren't going to do anything. We shouldn't do anything. Is I think we can work on both things concurrently. I mm-hmm. think we're able to work and to gum at this. Well, okay, you are. I'm not. Um, but it's okay. You're allowed. There was to no way you were getting through the whole interview without without going yeah, there at no, some point. It, it was not <laughs> happening. I didn't even plan that one. It just came out. Sure. Um, uh, uh, no, uh, but like. I, I think we are capable of doing more than one thing at the same time on this. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, I understand the frustration that is kind of leading to, you know, kind of a, a bit of, of nihilism on this. Like, nothing matters, just, you know, let the whole thing burn down and hopefully something better rises from the ashes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I understand that perspective. Um, obviously it's, it's not my, you know, kind of personality trait. Well, it's not today. Anyway, um, ask me tomorrow. But, um, I, I think that we're able to apply pressure on operators via the operator standpoint, apply pressure on operators in regulated markets via actual gaming boards, and also do what is possible from our own perspective that we can control in order to minimize it. And so the idea is, you know, we're never going to, we're never ever, ever going to remove RTA to 0%. There will always be cheaters in poker who try to cheat. Like that's just the way the game is. I think everybody recognizes that and realizes that. But if we can cut it even by 50% or you know, hell, 60 or 70%. Isn't that worth trying? I guess is my point. And I I think it is. I mean, reasonable people 
to have a different opinion, but I think it's worth trying. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I guess I, I kind of see this as, um, you know, we, we agree that the lack of the, the oversight of a governing body is, is ultimately why we don't have an authority to appeal to here. Um, I think I kind of see this as like the early days of the internet where uh, things like online banking and other securities became uh, part of everyday life, right? During those times, the, the early 2000s specifically, a lot of uh, the security that we are thankful to have now was kind of stress tested by the market and hackers. Like a lot of white hat hackers came out of out of that era and uh, it kind of became a necessity of sorts to just have systems set themselves up and then get absolutely attacked from every single side and angle that you could imagine in order to bolster security. I, I don't think that I don't think that we understand the degree at which that may be happening privately and how little the operator cares because it doesn't affect their bottom line. It truly at the end of the day does not harm these operators if there are bots in there sucking money out of their liquidity pool. I mean, it does to some degree in the sense that it hurts the health of the game, but uh, their liquidity pools are large enough, at least when you're talking about the major players, that somebody who is botting 200 NL isn't going to break 200 NL necessarily. Yeah, it's effectively a drop in the bucket, right? Uh, depends. I mean, obviously it depends on the size and the scope of the, the player pool that they choose to attack, but um, you know, largely speaking, most of the the small to mid stakes are going to be healthy enough that they can withstand a a bunch of big winners, which right. is where most of the rate comes from, as is right. And that's the way poker flows anyway. Like almost all, wh whether you're talking about a level playing field or an unlevel one, there's most of the money is going to a small collection of winners, right? It, it's it's uh, the eighty twenty rule, where eighty percent of the people are going to be donating to the top 20% and maybe that isn't even extreme enough it might be more like 90 10 something to that degree so their 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 main function is to keep people in the system and rake them to death right that's how they they increase their bottom line it doesn't matter how the winners win to them so, no it doesn't at all right so i guess that's you know doubling back to my initial point like that's why i'm kind of of the mindset of like let it be a free for all for some period of time until actions are taken right the only the only downside i see to that is that existing software will in my opinion likely be unfairly targeted so i could see a world where they put policing mechanisms in place for if you have wizard or odin a or publicly known software versus a privately owned if you have those open as opposed to just detecting anything that is uh you know taking advantage uh or, or botting or RTAing or right because if you're using a public software and call it they have the scripts and they see that you bet a certain size that the script has that's preloaded where you have your own call it secret solver program on your computer that isn't as detectable that has the AI function within it you could probably just kind of sneak away mm -hmm. But if you're using the publicly owned ones, you're now kind of in this spot that you get lumped in because operators know about it more. Where it's like, yes. oh, we I mean, know that these mm -hmm. sizes are being used from these scripts or 
these sort of uh, AI tools. We can catch you, but we can't catch the sneak attacks kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I, I have a question for you, Dirky. Good. Uh, on on kind of like that front, if if sites are just simply, at least from what I'm understanding, you're saying if they're simply not invested in detection and or prevention mm-hmm. on a wide scale, why would they give a shit if it's a free throw? Like, th- th- what changes? I guess. Is my question. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I, I think, I think the uh, well, my expectation would be anyway that uh, the community being what it is, the internet being what it is, that crowdsourcing would begin to take place uh, to securely uh, point these flaws out, or uh, people would leave. Like eventually, we've already agreed that we've already kind of agreed earlier that the community, by and large, you know, that the recreational community doesn't really do this shit. Sure, anyway. but the recreational community's small by comparison to the quote-unquote non-rec, I would say. Uh, maybe not. Maybe it's, maybe no, it's an even I mean, balance. If, 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 if it's 80-20 or even 90-10 on winning players, I mean, oh, Rangers... Right. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not qualifying the 80% as, as recs. You could be a non-rec and lose. Uh, or non-rec and not have substantial win rate, but yeah, you're that. That's fair. Um, that that's valid. Uh, I think that. I think your points are very valid. My 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 inclination would be that market principles would come to play, and uh, a lesser product would be consumed less. So if it just became commonplace to know that RTA wasn't being policed, I would assume liquidity would dry up faster than if we just let it go unchecked as it stands but the forward-facing marketing is that online is safe yeah no i think that makes sense i think maybe we just have different opinions on on literally that exact aspect of it i I think i think honestly we're really close together that we just have a different opinion on what would happen if nothing is done um and it's you know a free-for-all uh i i personally didn't consider it a very high likelihood that operators are going to get a bunch of you know nasty email write your congressman you know like right. people just aren't doing that um hell even when people had bad shit happen to them in the states that's like a direct result of some law or whatever like literally like one percent of their constituency may write or call in or whatever and then poker they just don't give a shit. Like that's not that that's such an insignificant portion. Even if they got ten times the amount of of messages or people closing their accounts, there is enough people coming back or you know being mad for like two weeks, and then they get an email with some sort of you know reload bonus, and they're like, ah, shit. Not gonna lie, you had me in the first half, but you got me back. I mean, like, I, I just view this as much. I think that's what I'm doing as well. Yeah, uh, at yeah. that point. Yeah, and, and to your point, I, I, I do. You know, I, I'm kind of playing the antagonist here. Um, because no, yeah, exactly, and, and that was kind of like 
the whole point of the conversation, right? Yeah. Was, uh, was for us to try to tell clothes in, in a different perspective. Well, you know, um, I, I, I'm also living in a bit of a duality where it's like, uh, in my heart of hearts, I, I'm wholeheartedly on your side. Like, I, I would... <laughs> I'd like to move mountains if possible in order to keep things clean. But like my realist side just recognizes where incentives disalign. And I think that mm -hmm. that's the problem that we're really facing is that the incentives of all parties involved are so fucking disaligned that it's nearly impossible to pull things together. I will say that like, you know, I saw the conversation continue on Twitter and I'm extremely hopeful to see this cooperative movement take place that you are trying to initiate because in my six years in the training space, the thing that I think holds us back as a community as a whole is that we have this competitive drive in us to seek every single cent and every single aspect of EV because that's the game, right? That's what we grew up doing. We all come from the poker uh, player background to begin with. So we see things through this black and white measuring tool of how many dollars can I collect to, to increase the scoreboard. And for six years, uh, I've always seen the biggest hindrance is the fact that we're not cooperative. The training space suffers mm -hmm. because we don't cooperate amongst each other. The uh, now tech space suffers because we don't cooperate amongst each other. And don't get me wrong, competition breeds a better product at the end of the day. So I don't think it should just be all kumbaya where there's one training site and there's <coughs> one uh, piece of tech or anything along those lines. But I do think we limit ourselves in a lot of ways because we'd rather bite each other's heads off than uh, find a way to work together. So I, I'm highly optimistic that uh that's going to change I, I shouldn't say i'm highly optimistic i i am optimistic that that can change and mm -hmm. uh it's exciting to me to see you spearhead it um i just have my reservations <laughs> of how realistic it is i mean listen i'm fully aware that like other people have tried this and they've failed and there's a reasonable chance that i will fail as well um or that anybody from from you know any of the sites will fail uh but at the same time it's worth it to try, um, at least from my perspective. I mean, I, I, I'm willing to put the time in to try to make it happen. And I'm with you. Yeah. I'm cautiously optimistic that yeah, yeah. something can be done, um, that something can be agreed to as far as, you know, kind of like minimum, you know, a minimum threshold of something we can all agree to. Uh, or, or even if we don't agree on, the actual implementation, even if we can just simply agree on making our RTA prevention methods uh, to the extent that they can be made public, public yeah. And, yeah. and telling our consumers, listen, we're not here to help you cheat. We're here to help you study ethically. And yeah. these are the ways that we do that. Um, and, you know, I think there is a lot of room for all of us to... Uh, as someone once said, cooperate um, or cooperation, where we can cooperate but still be in competition with each other. Um, and there, you know, it's kind of a redneck word, but I'm from Illinois, so <laughs> I mean, it's such a flyover country. It, it literally doesn't matter. Just ask your kids. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think we can. We can find ways to work together, um, in order to make some sort of impact, you know, influence. And then beyond that, you know, hopefully use it as a launching point to actually do more that is even better for the longevity of the game. And I just want to really point out 
before I wrap up, because um, I know you guys probably want to shut things down. What you guys do on the show is really important, I think, for the community, because you allow space for different perspectives to actually have airtime and not kind of talk over one each other, you know, one another. Yeah. And, and oh, I know you said this, but like five seconds ago, you said that. Um, and, and you know, so on and so forth. And so I really appreciate that about, about what you guys do and how you do it. It's, it's healthy and it's needed for the community because at the end of the day, we all recognize we don't have a governing body and we have to govern ourselves. And the only way to do that is to have civil and open conversations, mm-hmm. especially when scandals or controversies rise up. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I think that's very well said as far as uh, our, our lack of, of policing in this uh, current climate, so to speak. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, as somebody who's uh, gone through the ringer on Twitter because uh, it's not the best place for nuance, I, I'm a big faith of, or sorry, big fan of good faith arguments. And it drives me insane when people latch on to pedantic details that obviously are not within the greater context of what's being discussed. So uh, I appreciate you acknowledging that. And I really appreciate you joining us today. I think mm-hmm. that your perspective was uh, a bit of a breath of fresh air, even if it wasn't necessarily um, one that we see eye to eye on. I, I do think we have a lot more overlap than uh, maybe initially uh, I-, I had led on to. Um, do you want to give them uh, a-, a quick plug for uh, Range Trainer Pro and everything else that you're working on? I thought you'd never ask. Uh, <laughs> I, really I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm super proud of the company. I don't want to go into a ton of detail because we're running really short on time. Uh, something I'm really proud of is, A, uh, we've been around you know, for, for several years now, and uh, we've basically built this thing with about $500 to start. Um, I've never had outside investors had never had um, anybody, you know, bring money into us. We've never operated a single month in the red. Uh, and we have brought uh, a shitload of post-flop content to our database over the last, you know, 18 months or so. Um, we're in the middle of a really massive site rebuild. Um, and I'm extremely excited at it having seen many of the the new changes that our one developer matt mctelligat who is a fucking genius in every sense of the word uh and also just happens to have a full-time job and does this on the side so matt um i can never ever ever give him enough of a plug but keep an eye you know follow us on rangeturnpro.com uh, I'm sorry, at, at RangeTramPro on Twitter. Check out RangeTramPro.com. Um, but really keep an eye out because when we launch this, you know, kind of this new marketing campaign for Range Trainer uh, 2.0 is what we're calling it. It's going to be an insanely massive overhaul change the way that basically everything is done on the site. And uh, guess what? We're not removing our RTA. Uh, prevention, but we are going to offer a massive sale and a massive discount. So, if you're <laughs> <looking> <laughs> for, wonderful uh, timing, Kale. <laughs> wonderful timing. 
on if the, you're uh, looking for a ethical uh, RTA uh, free study tool, um, I really hope you consider checking out Rainstorm Pro. We are extremely proud of the work that we've done. Uh, we're extremely proud of the work that we continue to do. Uh, started out as a passion project, and now it's an actual company that, hey, we have our own address and everything. It's really quite fascinating. Um, but uh, no, I, I really appreciate the time and the space to present my uh, perspective on this. And I appreciate the fact, uh, like you said, that we we very clearly are much more aligned um, than it was originally yeah. uh, thought and considered. And I think at the end of the day, most, if not all of us, want the same thing. We want Agreed. The, the best thing for the industry. Um, and we can debate back and forth on what that is, and that's healthy, and that's good. But at the end of the day, we all, you know, kind of whatever tempers maybe get a little bit too high, uh, we would all do well to remember that we do want the same thing overall. And uh, that's to see poker succeed. Because guess what? When I sit down at the table, I want every last decimal of your EV. But whenever I leave the table, I want to treat you like a good, ethical human being, and I hope you do the same to me. Very well said. Thank you so much, KL. We love you. Love you Appreciate KL. you being on here. Uh, always enjoy talking to you. Uh, just a few things it. before we get out of here. A uh, quick reminder that I'm doing a seminar for Pocket Queens tonight. Uh, if any of you uh, women out there are interested in uh, tonight's lesson, I think you can head to pocketqueens.poker. And you can sign up for their uh, women's group there. I believe the lesson that I'm going to be giving tonight is uh, on problem solving in real time, utilizing a game theory uh, framework. So if any interest in that, head to pocketqueens.com. Also, a uh, quick reminder that we do still have two academies coming up. April 15th to the 18th is Poker Out Loud. That's four days, uh, two days of gameplay, two days of game theory study, uh, you'll be speaking your thoughts out loud in real time as uh, you basically play each of your decision points and we will be in the booth to uh, give you feedback in real time. Uh, secondly, we have the MTT Academy, which is May 24th to the 28th. Uh, that's going to be a four-day academy. Each day of gameplay will represent a different phase of the tournament culminating in a final table for everybody on day four. Uh, Matt Hunt will be leading the instruction each day, teaching you everything from preflop ranges, different stack size uh, manipulation, all the way to ICM. So if you guys are interested in that, head to academy.solferwide.io, click the banner above. It will take you to the MTT uh, for more information there. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you to KL for being a part of this. We appreciate you. Uh, if you want to keep the discussion going, please leave a comment below. Don't forget to subscribe on your way out. We will be back tomorrow. 11 a.m. I am unfortunately won't be here. Uh, I'm heading to LA, but, but we. I will be here. Conrad's gonna be right. here. We have a special guest in the building. You want to tell him about it? Yes, yeah, so we have Lorianne Persinger coming in tomorrow, and I'm excited to have a conversation with her about her recent run, uh, run in the win. And yeah, for anybody who's unfamiliar with Lorianne, she was gifted the seat by Andrew Nimi to play the WPT uh, 10K Championship and went quite deep. Mm -hmm. So, uh, good. No, I'm excited for that. But um, on another note, the people have spoken, and they said, "Let bro cook." It's Tortoise! Alright, cut the mic squad, but we're out of here. I'll see you guys all on Friday. Peace!